Detroit tops the list of most dangerous cities in terms of violent crime. In short, the city of Detroit is the living, breathing example of my opponent's failed economic agenda. That was Donald Trump speaking in front of the Detroit Economic Club in August. He focused on Detroit's high unemployment and crime rates, which are both real problems, and fair games in politics. Although, to pin those problems on Hillary Clinton seems to ignore decades of complex issues and decisions that were made. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and that's where we begin our show today. The picture that Donald Trump paints of Detroit is at odds with, ironically, the Republican leaders in this state, people like Governor Rick Snyder, who hope to take credit for revitalization in some areas of Detroit and other places. Now, a lot of city leaders in Detroit and across the country say they're tired of being a political football in this election. They are pushing back against what Donald Trump says. We're going to talk this hour, a good part of this hour, about what cities are saying back to Donald Trump. The answer that they have to the criticism that they have not done a good job or that Democrats have not done a good job of managing them. And of course, it's a much more complex issue than Donald Trump makes it seem. There have been decades of disinvestment in cities from Washington and places like Lansing around the country. There has been racial tension in cities, especially cities like Detroit, that has helped drive that disinvestment and fray the economic structure. There has been the whole idea of suburbanization in the United States. Uh, Since the 50s, the federal government has subsidized the idea of moving money away from cities and out into the suburbs. Ben Wofford is a contributing editor at Political Magazine. He's co-author of an article that says, Mayors to Trump, enough with the hellhole talk already. Uh, We are uh, trying to get uh, Ben Wofford on the phone with us here to be a guest on the show. We're going to talk to him about his article, but we also want to hear from you, the listeners. If you live in Detroit, and you're listening to the, what the, the, the rhetoric is in this presidential campaign, what do you think about what Donald Trump is saying about places like Detroit? What do you think he is saying about urban areas? What do you think he might be saying about African-American people? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. And if you don't live in Detroit, maybe you live out in the suburbs, maybe you live further out in the state, What do you think about this characterization of cities, this idea that cities are dangerous places, this idea that cities are places that don't have any economic opportunity? You heard Donald Trump speaking in front of the Detroit Economic Club in August, talking about how cities and their failures belong at the feet of Democrats, that these are things that happened that uh, that Democrats did or did not do that have caused cities to deteriorate the way that some of them have. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page uh, and leave your comments there, or go to Twitter and leave your comments under the hashtag 
Detroit today. Uh, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation again. What do you think about the idea of cities being a punching bag for presidential candidates, for the Republican presidential candidate in this race? And even beyond that, what would you like to hear from Donald Trump to say, hey, I've got an idea about how cities could be better. I've got ideas about how to grow the economy in cities. I've got an idea about how to push back against high crime in cities. What are the things that he could be saying? What are the things that maybe you would wish Hillary Clinton were saying about cities uh, that that would point us toward solutions? Again, the number is 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. Go to the Facebook page, WDET, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Let's start the conversation today with Tom. Tom in Northwest Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Yeah, good today. morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You know what? Detroit is not what Donald Trump put that, you know, picked that big old brush up and painted it, okay? I mean, do we have problems? Yes, we do. Let me say this. I'm the eternal optimist, okay? I mean, are we where we want to be? Heck no. I mean, we've got, a, we've got far to go, but we are not that ugly thing that Donald Trump painted the city as. I mean, you know... The crime is to, for the city of Detroit, in terms of per capita, 100000 I think it's like, and correct me, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're like 43, 43 killings per 100,000 people. That's too high for a city of Detroit, um, you know, in terms of its size. But, you know, we are getting better, all right? You know, we've got all of this burgeoning building and, you know, development and stuff down in downtown and midtown, and some of it's starting to spill over into other areas. And it's just a matter of time before things are really going to start looking. You know, I'm, I'm talking about even in neighborhoods. And, and one thing about the neighborhood, some of the people, like I said, some, they're going to have to change their attitude. And I mean, when it snows, when it, when it snows, pick up a shovel and, sh- and shovel. Mm-hmm. When, it, when summertime, you know, um, cut your grass, that kind of thing. It's, the little things mean a lot. I mean, the little things mean a lot. And, you know, like I said, um, Detroit, we are moving in the right direction, and that is up, not down, and the glass is half full, not half empty. So, so Tom, let me ask you this. Do you, mm-hmm. do you, are there things that you think Donald Trump could be talking about? Are there things that you think Hillary Clinton could be talking about that would help move Detroit uh, forward faster. In other words, are we having the right conversation in this election about urban policy? Are we having the right conversation about economic growth and whether it will help uh, people who are trapped in in urban areas, sort of these isolated urban areas that we see emerging in places like Detroit? I mean, do you? I, I get that you don't like the characterization that Donald Trump is offering of Detroit, but but what is it that you would like to see? From the candidates, you know what? To be honest about it, um, Donald Trump couldn't say anything to me what he'd like to do to Detroit because he's a <laughs> you stop listening, right? <laughs> he's he no, he's not going to get to the White House. And you know, as far as like Detroit in and of itself, what did they say? All politics is local. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a heck of a whole lot unless they pass something like the omnibus crime bill, where you can get 
you know, more funding for police and that kind of thing. And, I mean, of course, I know the M1 Rail, they got a nice little shot in the arm in terms of the money that came from the Transportation Department and that kind of thing. But overall, for the most part, you know, um, (laughs) nobody's going to save us from us but us. (laughs) And I'm talking about city council people. The, you know, people up there up in Lansing right. and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and the governor and that kind of thing. But um, like I said, Trump is a non-issue. And um, we're going to have to, to now don't get me wrong, if Washington wants to send us some money, take the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take right. the money. Yeah. Take the money. Thanks very much uh, for the call and the comments, Tom, as always. Okay. Um, let's go to Patrick. Patrick in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today, Patrick. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Great. Um, so I want to let you know that I'm a Democrat. I'm planning to vote for Hillary Clinton, but I definitely agree that uh, I think that the conversation should be had because at least in Detroit, uh, there has been um, a great deterioration of the city as, like, the neighborhoods, um, you know, are... You know, I don't see the neighborhoods coming back. I see perhaps, like, downtown Detroit, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I work in the city and live in the city. Maybe that's coming back, but I don't think, I don't believe that it, within my lifetime um, that the um, the, uh, the deterioration of the neighborhood, prices, uh, houses, um, the crime, um, you know, I definitely think that the conversation has to be had, and um, I think it's good that, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily good that he's bringing it up, but the conversation um, should be had because definitely uh, Detroit is, uh, perhaps it's on a um, resurgence, but it is very uh Yeah, it's very selective, right? Uh, I mean, exactly. if, you, if you go to, to, to most of, and I think I'm, I'm in on firm ground saying this, if you go to most of the places outside the city's core, uh, downtown and midtown, you still see the tremendous problems and challenges. And and I, I agree with you that, that we aren't talking about, at least in this presidential election, we aren't really talking about those problems and where they come from and, and what policy at the federal level, at the state level, at the local level might reverse them. I'm, I'm wondering, Patrick, uh, you said you were going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Have you heard something from her that suggests she understands better what to do about cities or uh, that, that, that she has plans that, that seem to make uh, better sense uh, for, for, for that turnaround? No, but I think that, um, I think that she has a better, uh, because of her experience um, uh, in politics, um, that she has a better understanding of, of what the needs of the city are. Um, and, and I think that, um, once again, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, the, the politics for the city locally. I mean, what are the... Uh, because, I mean, I'm sure you know that Detroit has had, you know, a series of, of uh, politicians that have not been uh, perhaps the best for you know, bringing about um, change in the city. Um, yeah. And to say a little more about the, the resurgence or people say Detroit is coming back, the, the areas that are coming back, I don't know if uh, those um, are for, you know, um, people who work uh, and make a, uh, a decent um, wage, but, I mean, some of the places that now in downtown Detroit, 
um, you know, are as hard to get into uh, as they are if you are moving out to, um, you know, Farmington Hills sure. uh, or Gross Point Woods or something <laughs> like that. So I, I, I believe that uh, I have more faith that she would get um, more done. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think it's a, it's a local issue. Yeah, yeah, Patrick. Thanks very much uh, for that thoughtful uh, contribution to our conversation and and for the call. Uh, joining me now is Ben Wofford. He's a contributing editor at Political Magazine, co-author of the article "Mayors to Trump." Enough with the hellhole talk already. Ben Wofford, welcome to Detroit today. Stephen, thanks for having me yeah, this morning. Absolutely. Uh, so, so talk about what U.S. mayors were saying in uh, this article in response to the things that we've heard from Donald Trump. At the top of the hour, we played a clip from Donald Trump speaking at the Detroit Economic Club here in August, basically saying that uh, cities are a mess and cities are bereft of opportunity and hope and that that is uh, something that we ought to lay at the feet of Hillary Clinton and other Democrats. What do, what do mayors say in response to that kind of rhetoric? Well, they don't agree, to say the least. So we run a uh, series here at Politico called the Mayor's Survey, and we reach out, in this case, you know, 60 or 70 mayors. It's not scientific, but it does measure mood. And we ask them to weigh in on um, an interesting national topic with the idea that if you want to know what's going on in the country, you should ask a mayor. So much of our politics and our economy is urbanized. Sure. And so we ask mayors, what do you think about what Donald Trump is saying? And it turns out that mayors across the country are feeling um, undoubtedly positive and upbeat, and they have reason to. Um, new census numbers from last month uh, show median incomes have risen. They've shown that the uninsurance uh, rate is down. They've shown that uh, jobs are back, and in some cases wages are up. And many of those gains have been concentrated in the, in the uh, bottom quintile, and that most of these gains were concentrated in cities. So not only are mayors sort of scratching their heads and wondering, what's Donald Trump talking about? This overwhelmingly Democratic, uh, you know, leaning sample size, mayors, uh, you know, being ten tending to be Democratic, sure. are just plain sick of Donald Trump. In fact, we asked them to rank, uh, you know, what they dislike most about this campaign. And they said the campaign itself, many of them point to Donald Trump's rhetoric as sort of dimming the mood uh, on what they think should be sort of a moment for good news. The catch is that if your city's not growing as fast as the others, you're more likely to say, if you're a mayor, that your constituents haven't yet felt the love uh, or that the mood might not be as bright as it is in, in their city. And I think your previous caller was, was actually getting at some of the things sure. that just talks about. Yeah. <clears throat> Talk about what, uh, what U.S. mayors feel like they need from, if not this rhetoric from Donald Trump, which is, of course, dismissive and insulting. Do they feel like Hillary Clinton, who's the other choice, the other major party choice on the ballot in November, they feel like she's actually addressing some of the the things that, that are still sort of hanging out there as issues uh, in cities in terms of you know spreading opportunity more broadly, uh, picking up uh, areas that have been left behind or forgotten? Uh, are, are they are they you know exponentially more? Uh, optimistic about a Clinton presidency than a Trump presidency? Well, it's a great question because it has two parts. The first answer is, is yes. You know, they are, they are overwhelmingly Democratic, and their support for Hillary Clinton politically sure. reflects that. But there's a deeper truth here that, that, you know, mayors before they're Democrats or Republicans uh, owe a duty to their city. 
And what you know, metropolitan policy experts and, and economists who study urban growth will tell you, and they've been saying this for years, is that perhaps you know, the, one of the first casualties of a gridlocked Washington, where I'm calling you from here at Politico, uh, is City Hall. I mean, you're talking about um, you know, uh, not only some of the most uh, complex. Uh, urban politics, but they're on the front lines of dealing with many of the country's most difficult issues, and that includes infrastructure, that can include climate change, that often includes income inequality or homelessness, it includes housing policy. So when Washington's gridlock, mayors really feel the brunt of that. And when you ask them the question that way, you know, yes, they're cheerleading for Hillary Clinton, and, and so well they should, being Democrats, but the truth is that none of them hold out or seem to hold out particularly high hopes that gridlock in Washington is going to magically uh, disappear uh, once the Clinton occupies the White House. I think, if anything, they're bracing uh, for the opposite. Um, but I will say that one of the things that we asked in this survey is, what is at the top of your wish list? What do you think, you know, not only the candidates, but the federal government ought to be focused on? And right at the top of their list, I mean, in another universe, overwhelmingly mayor said infrastructure. And I think it speaks... Um, you know, speaks volumes about the state of the country's infrastructure, yes. uh, which has been obviously the subject of, of a lot of good reporting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Gene. Gene in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, good morning, Stephen. Hey, Gene, how are you? Not bad, not bad. Um, in response to the uh, your original question, uh, what the cities definitely need is tax equity. Uh, so much of our public money goes to subsidize uh, projects that don't necessarily <laughs> benefit, benefit the people the who live here, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, or align with our interests. Yeah. And the second thing is that we've got to get responsibility for uh, creating the problem, uh, a, a joint effort of city, county, state, and federal government. Uh, uh, so many of the of the dollars that come from Washington or Lansing don't actually impact the citizens of the city because, again, uh, so much of that money goes into uh, other sources. And we still have never developed uh, a response to the things that uh, got us toward these problems. Uh, That is uh, a a global view of uh, what's happening with globalization and a response to technology. Yeah, yeah. No, Gene, great, great points to add to the conversation. Uh, thanks very much uh, for calling. Um, ben Wofford, uh, talk about uh, the, the, these things that Gene raises. A lot of those are about current policy, and some of those policies are democratic. Uh, they're, they're, they're supported by or enacted by Democratic leaders, uh, of course, a lot of them are Republican, too. The other thing that's lurking behind this, of course, is race and the racial tensions that exist between cities and their suburbs. Uh, that, of course, is something else that we're not really, really getting at here. That's absolutely right. And and again, you know, mayors are feeling, for the most part, upbeat and they're feeling positive. But that has a lot to do with economic numbers. What i liked about Gene's point is, you know, first of all, the larger point itself. You know, we asked mayors, how good are you feeling and how good are your constituents feeling? Right. And across the board, we found a, a dichotomy between the upbeat mood of mayors and constituents whom they ranked, I guess I'd say, about 
10 points behind on average. And when you travel in, into the cross-section, uh, you look at the south, you look at the west, it's the American Midwest where that gap is quite wide by about 10 points, and in swing states where it's actually about 15 points. So the more politically polarized sort of your region is, it's a uh, bit of back of the envelope work, uh, but that divide in how mayors say they view their city and their constituents is real. And I think at least some of that has to do with, um, you know, the surface level urban politics like tax equity uh, that Gene's raising. But the other point um, that he raised about globalization uh-huh. is, I think, going to be the future, basically, of how cities, uh, you know, characterize their own political and economic identity. We uh, feature uh, an urban expert named Bruce Katz from the Brookings Institution. In this sure. report, we typically try to have someone from a think tank sort of represent what uh, urban uh, policy scholars are, are thinking. And they're positive about the numbers, too. But the truth is, going back to a lot of those points that Gene raised, you know, a lack of um, coordination and good spirit between uh, county officials, state officials, needless to say, the federal government, really has cities striking out on their own. And if 70% of the world's population is going to be urban by 2050, uh, as the World Health Organization and others predict, cities' ability to thrive economically and stay competitive is very much going to hinge on their ability to contend with globalization and have policies that put them on the world yeah, stage. To adapt. So I actually think what, right. what Gene got at is very much what urban policy experts have said, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ben Wofford, contributing editor at Political Magazine, co-author of the article Mayors to Trump. Enough with the hellhole talk already. Thanks very much for being with us here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. I had fun. Absolutely. All right. uh, Up next, we're going to have a conversation with Kizir Khan, uh, the father of a slain American soldier who spoke at the Democratic National Convention and became a lightning rod because of what Donald Trump said about him. Stay with us on Detroit Today.